first I was a little reluctant to have to go through everything because I'm like, hey, I got the Bible degree. I've got the theology down. I'm a pastor. I know this stuff. But then the, the gentlemen that were taking me through it were like, hey, you know what? You need to hear it too. And so I finally submitted to that as a pastor of a church. I submitted to listening to and, and going through this. And I'm so thankful I did. On this episode of General Order 4, we will be continuing our series on having a life of discipleship. On today's episode, I will be interviewing Pastor Brian Stewart on how he lives out having a life of discipleship in his own life and ministry. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. My name is Simeon Brazel. I'm a missionary to Australia on deputation, and I am uh, joined as always by my regular co-host, Pastor Brian Stewart. And today we have a special treat for you. Uh, we are going to do things a little bit differently. So the last couple of episodes, we've spent some time looking at the model that Jesus Christ left for us in discipleship. And uh, then the following episode after that, we talked about how Paul left a model for us in discipleship. Uh, but today we're going to take a look uh, at the same thing, a life of discipleship uh, from a more practical angle. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to do an interview uh, with Pastor Brian Stewart, and he is uh, pastoring in Bloomington, Indiana, and has this uh, discipleship process that we've been discussing is active within his own church and something that he's been doing for several years now. And so I wanted to uh, just go through, interview him on his ideas about discipleship, how things are operating within his church, and give you uh, some encouragement on your end uh, as the listener so you can and just know that this is being done and that it can work. Uh, so I wanted to do that. So, Pastor, uh, if you're ready, we can get right into some questions, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what see where it goes. Sure thing. Looking forward to it. Alrighty. So, if you could, uh, Pastor Stewart, if you could just go ahead and uh, remind the listener how you came to be so passionate about uh, discipleship within your own life and within the local church. Back when I was first called to pastor after spending some time being a youth pastor and an assistant pastor, uh, I was reading through the pastoral epistles as I knew the uh, opportunity to pastor was coming near. And uh, as I read through those pastoral epistles over and over and over again, the overarching uh, responsibility of that office of pastor started to really settle in to my mind, and I was really coming to the conclusion that I I did not know how to do a lot of the things that he was going to require of me as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it really concerned me, and I began to seek the Lord's face on the matter. And God brought back into my life uh, one of the men that was there when I got saved, and he was uh, one that counseled with me. And uh, he had since become a missionary and uh, had learned how to disciple others. And then God brought a f- another friend in my life at that time as well that had learned how to disciple. And and so they they led me through how to disciple as I was pastoring uh, for the first time uh, in a small church. And, and as I learned how they showed me and demonstrated to me how to disciple others, I learned that uh, a lot of the ministry questions that I had, the, the, the ministry responsibilities that I had that I didn't know how to do, uh, were answered by understanding how to see somebody come to maturity in Christ. 
Yeah, and it seems like it's a common thing with missionaries, especially, because it's expected of missionaries, I think, um, to disciple believers, on, and we have this expectation that they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hear from missionaries that I talk to all the time about how they get to the field and they're shocked because they don't. The, the, the field doesn't work the same way that it does here in the States. There's not a culture of Christianity, which is, is a good thing in some ways, um, but they're not trained. They don't know how to do it. And so it's interesting that you said that, that uh, 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 the person who led you to Christ was currently a missionary and had learned how to disciple people. Sure. And probably he learned it on the fly. He, uh, he actually uh, had another veteran missionary that uh, – kind of took him under the wing and, and helped him to understand and know how to disciple. And so uh, it was it was given to him in much of the same way mm-hmm. as it was given to me, and hopefully we'll be able to continue to pass it along to other ministers and other believers that are able to uh, disciple people through the local churches that God has given them to be responsible at. Sure. Um, briefly, if you would describe for me um, that general model that you use for how you are discipling people. Um, I know that we've talked about a model that Christ used and a model that Paul used, and we're trying to keep it as biblical as possible. Um, but describe for me kind of the model that you have um, set up within your own life and ministry and then within your church. Sure. The uh, model that we use is uh, really based after the Great Commission. Uh, the Great Commission uh, is God, uh, through Jesus, giving us what we're supposed to do, why you're supposed to do it, and, and really how we're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the Great Commission is to first find those that don't know Christ as their Savior and have not put their faith and trust in Him and share the gospel with them. Once we share the gospel, according to the Great Commission, we are to teach them that they need to be baptized. And again, that's going to be done through the ministry of a local church, since the authority to baptize rests with the local church. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to be, uh, once they're joined to the local church, then that person who led them to the Lord, who's a member of that local church, is then to disciple them, to teach them to observe whatsoever Christ has commanded that individual that led them to the Lord. And so we're to share what we've been taught and how we've matured with them. And so the way we do that here at Calvary is that we realize that we can't just teach them uh a little bit here and a little bit there in the sense of just any any old information we need to do it intentionally just like we would raise a child mm-hmm. and so uh so, scripture, so you're not you're not um just counting on the the services of the church is what you're saying that's correct we're going to meet face to face one-on-one with a brand new believer uh to teach them things like uh that they're accepted in the family of god and that this is a spiritual birth and we, we talk about how jesus t- Talked with Nicodemus and the difference between physical birth and virtual birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to look at you know eternal security and the importance of baptism. And uh, again, we're going to teach them to observe. And so we're not going to teach beyond what they're already observing. And so if they learn this truth and then they don't put it into practice, then we're going to keep teaching that truth until they do or until they decide not to. And so, unfortunately, sometimes we start discipling people and they don't continue Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't observe what God says. And and we don't want to stop with them. We want to teach them, but I can't teach you uh, the second and third steps of, of growth and maturity if you don't, if you're not willing to practice the first one and first two. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we teach them, and, and we teach them in a very uh, 
personal one-on-one uh, men disciple men and women disciple women and uh, we have uh, this going on we go this usually takes about eight months to a year depends on the person how really depends on how quickly they observe uh, the things that, that God wants them to know we cover things like the importance of God's word so if when we're teaching that lesson how important is God's word in the life of a believer well it's all important mm-hmm. uh, in fact he says he exalts his word uh, above his name uh, mm-hmm. and so he wants us to make sure that we prioritize his word. So if this person is not prioritizing the word of God in their life and, you know, they you, you show them something in God's word and they go, well, uh, I don't care. I'm going to do it my way anyway. Well, mm-hmm. then that person hasn't learned the lessons that they need to learn in this stage. And right. so we're going to continue with that. And so once we get uh, partway into that, then we start teaching them some of the Bible truths of how do I minister on a personal level, that would be include how do I lead somebody to the Lord? So we give them basic instruction in that, give them basic instruction on fasting and prayer. Those are all personal ministry tools that God gives us to be able to minister to other people. And uh, and so we want to make sure they understand that. We understand, we go through you know, visitation and other things as well uh, to help them understand how they can do those things in a personal ministry situation. Obviously, we're not going to include them uh, this early in corporate ministry is teaching a Sunday school class or something like that because they obviously don't know how to study the Bible yet. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because in our second level of teaching, uh, we're teaching them the godly characteristics that God requires of leaders in his church, but he requires it really and desires it in all of us. Right. But then uh, but then we also cover, you know, how do I win this battle over sin? And we kind of do a deep dive into this battle or Paul talks about, hey, the things I wish I didn't do, I do, and the ones I don't, the what I wish I did do, I I don't do, and we try and help them to see that they have victory in Christ. And so, in the second level, it's more of a classroom setting, small classroom, and we teach, you know, how do I, how do you win the victory uh, over sin, and and this victory has been won for you. How do you really realize that? Mm-hmm. And then we go into how do you study the Bible, and we teach a course uh, that is very personal. It's not academic in any way, but it's very personal. It helps them to understand how do I use the rules of a good Bible study to understand and, and, and mine out the truths of God's Word for myself mm-hmm. under the direct leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the whole goal with all of these is to really equip the believer to the point where they don't need a human to inter- intervene and, and teach them things, but they can go directly to God's Word and have the same access to God and His Word and, and the truths there and the and the nutrition that's there as I do as the pastor. Uh, mm-hmm. And so my goal is to see them mature to the point where they can be self-sustaining in their uh, ability to in their relationship with the Lord. And then we have another course that we use if uh, somebody's going to be a Sunday school teacher or they're going to be a, called out uh, to be a church planter or something. And, and that course is really kind of like a... Um, a, uh, a preacher's workshop, a workshop kind of thing, where they actually, uh, under the tutelage of a of a, uh, a pastor or somebody who's mature to the point where they know how to write messages, how to present messages, and we mm-hmm. and we have a real practical time where we teach them how to do that as well, so that they're equipped for whatever God's going to call them to do. 
What you're telling me, honestly, is, is quite incredible because it's not something that you see uh, in in most churches, not in any church really that I've been a part of. Have I seen a progressive work for each believer to the point that um, all the way up until that that third kind of section of teaching that you're talking about, any believer who goes through this process will understand how to do deep dive word studies in Scripture, how to do um, uh, you know how, how how to get guidance for everyday life based on scripture and prayer and have a communion with God and I, I think a lot of times we expect that people learn that through the pulpit ministry uh, but that's just not the case you know and it, it, it wasn't the case in my own life uh, mm-hmm. so in a way you're talking about an education uh, through scripture that's in many ways better than something that somebody who's been through Bible college would get because they're already learning how to study the scripture, their homiletics and hermeneutics classes, you know, <clears throat> teach. And I, I learned a lot in those classes, no doubt about it. But uh, if I had a, a person sitting across from me who was, who is a pastor or someone who is a public speaker or, or whatever the case may be, <clears throat> that has that knowledge is instilling that knowledge directly into me. If I can find it in scripture for myself, I, I, I can't even imagine how helpful that would be, even for someone who's not going into the ministry, just to be able to find uh, real answers from God's word for their own daily life questions. Um, that Honestly, that's pretty incredible. It is something that I've found as I've taught people these things, they are so appreciative that it's that they can learn these things and they can have access to the Word of God mm-hmm. and they don't have to go through the pastor or the Sunday school teacher, that they can they can mine out these truths. And, and it's proven helpful to me because I have uh, people in our church that come to me with thoughts and, and, and teaching that it's like, wow, I— I'd never saw that, and and they're able to be a help to me as well. And so it, it really strengthens the body as a whole mm-hmm. when we have uh, everybody maturing to a point that they can they can be a mature believer. And so we not everybody is there. Right. I certainly haven't arrived yet either. I, there's a lot of learning I need to do yet. But uh, if each of us are pursuing that, and we're doing it in, a, in that body, within the body of Christ. Uh, what a wonderful blessing it is to be able to have uh, others with us. It takes a large weight off of the uh, leadership too. I mean, oh, because absolutely. now you've got you've got mature people that you can trust to do things. But also, you know, you are not responsible for the growth of that individual. They're responsible for their own growth, and that's Amen. that's that's really cool. Um, let's wind it back a bit and talk more about uh, a person who's just gotten saved. They, uh, you know, maybe perhaps let's just say that you uh, were the were the person who witnessed to them and they got saved. So you're now going to be their discipler because earlier you mentioned how um, within your church, the way that you all operate is that the person who witnesses to that person is the one who walks them through discipleship. So uh, let's say that for, for the sake of uh, for the questioning here, that Brian Stewart is the one who has witnessed to this person and they've accepted Christ. And now at what point do you start actually discipling? that person and how do you bring that up and, and try to work that person into uh, thinking about being discipled really the the discipleship as I see it starts with me sharing the gospel with them in a, in a sense because that's the beginning of me fulfilling the Great Commission but I think I understand your question meaning when do we start doing the the teaching uh, and that really starts almost immediately. Uh, many times, it, you know, every situation is going to be a little bit different. But once I have the privilege of leading somebody to the Lord, uh, sometimes I'm already meeting with them once a week. 
mm-hmm. before they get saved to to just establish a rapport with them. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a good Baptist preacher. I like to do it over lunch and breakfast, uh, <laughs> you know, over a meal. Uh, but, you know, I like to meet people in public. I like to talk about the things of the Lord in public because that way we can be a testimony to others. So I, if I'm already meeting with them once a week, then I just continue to say, hey, there's a lot of things I need to teach you in the Word of God that God wants me to share with you. And mm-hmm. that'll help you to grow or some have some kind of conversation like that and say, hey, would you be willing to meet with me or continue to meet with me? And, uh, you know, we can I can I'd meet some people at the church and we do it in the office. Sometimes we do it in a classroom. Uh, I've done it at, at different restaurants. But the idea is that I want to continue to meet with them. Uh, depending on their schedule and what they want, usually I, I bill it as an hour to hour and a half uh, of time so that, uh, you know, they know that we're not going to spend forever. But if they want to take more and I don't have another appointment, and I'll spend two hours with them answering questions and trying to help them grow in the Lord. So, uh, but how we get them into that is I simply just offer that, hey, I'm, I'm going to meet with you. I want to teach you some scripture so that you can grow into the person that God wants you to be. And so we just let them know that, hey, we'll offer this. And then again, if they don't want it or I tell them up front, if this doesn't prove to be helpful or you don't you don't want this, all you have to do is say, you know, I'm done. And, and whatever week we're on, we stop until they want it again. Because I I don't want to spend time with somebody and try and teach them things if they're not interested in learning. Right, right. Hello, and sorry for the interruption to the podcast. We wanted to clarify something. Uh, Pastor Stewart called me after we had finished recording the episode and asked that I clarify that what he was talking about when he said that he bills it to an hour to an hour and a half. He was not talking about billing finances. Uh, He does not charge to be discipled or anything like that. Just wanted to clarify that. He was talking about setting it in his schedule uh, and letting them know about how long it takes. So uh, back to the podcast. And you and I have walked through some of the material that you use, and um, and and I've really enjoyed it. And you've been doing it with me, not in a discipleship kind of way, but more of an instructive, like how to teach people. And so I've learned a lot doing that. And then some things, honestly, have been helpful for me to just hear again um, and try to reinstill in my own life. So that's been helpful for me. Um, but this, as far as how do you move along with somebody, you've got somebody who's saved, you've got somebody who's interested in being discipled and they're growing and they're learning. Um, how, what kind of pace do you take them through? Uh, how quickly do you kind of try and move them from those basic things to that next stage in which they're learning uh, more application time? Type of stuff. I know when they first get saved, uh, you, you start going through things that have to do with salvation, that have to do with baptism, um, the, you know, the very basic building blocks. Um, but let's say mm-hmm. we've got somebody who's saved, we've got them, ba- they're baptized, and they're following the Lord, and they're learning how to pray, they're learning how to read their Bible. How, how are you, what, what kind of timeline are you taking with the person? Um, how fast are they moving through some of these things? Really, the most important thing that I I try and consider is this, is I don't want to blow by any truth or any doctrine. I want to take my time. Uh, I want to make sure that they're understanding it. Now, uh, I like to give a lot of illustrations, and my favorite illustrations are absurd illustrations Mm -hmm. because they seem to stick and they just seem to kind of illustrate things at at an absurd level. But when I give these illustrations that I try and I'm reading, I'm trying to read the face, I'm trying to read the demeanor of the person I'm sharing with to see, are they understanding this and are they getting it? And then 
we're going to have conversation at the beginning of each month or weekly meeting uh, when we're meeting one on one. And we're just going to, hey, how are things going? You know, you said last week this happened. Uh, you may be struggling at work or, you know, whatever the, the struggle might be. When we're going through these things to identify, hey, where are their struggles? And, and this is the, the transfer of life, because when they share with me those things, and then the Holy Spirit gives me wisdom to be able to say, hey, remember what we learned a couple weeks ago or we learned in lesson whatever, and we are able to go back and make sure that they're observing these things in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord. All right. So what you're, what I'm understanding from what you're saying is that um, you are, you're taking your time with each individual and you're determining on an individual one-on-one kind of basis, how fast that person needs to move. Is that what I'm gathering? Yes, sir. So each believer, that believer, he has taken the steps that you've taught him in the last lesson or in the last meeting place before you're moving on to talking about anything else. Correct. We're going to make sure to the best of our ability. And again, uh, you know, have have I been fooled? Have I been, you know, misled before? Absolutely. I'm not infallible. My, my The Holy Spirit is. God is infallible. But uh, we're not. But we want to do due diligence to make sure that we're not moving on because this isn't about checking a box. Right. This is about this is about making sure that this believer understands these rudimentary truths like how to pray what is god's will how do i know what god's will is uh what is the importance of the local church and what is my involvement in the local church supposed to be so we're not going to race through these things because why Uh, i found that it doesn't matter really how long you've been saved if you've never been taught these in a systematic intentional way a lot of times there are some cracks in understanding i know Mm -hmm. in my case and i can't speak for other people but i know in my case i was pastoring a church and there was a lot of cracks in my foundation uh biblical foundation of understanding Mm -hmm. that i'm thankful that god shored those up i i didn't at first i was a little reluctant to have to go through everything because i'm like hey i got the bible degree i've got the theology down i'm a pastor i know this stuff but then the the gentlemen that were taking me through it were like hey you know what you need to hear it too and so i finally submitted to that as a pastor of a church i submitted to listening to and and going through this and i'm so thankful i did mm-hmm. because it helped me to understand things that either i had forgotten or that i had not really fully understood and i was able right. to understand it in a much clearer way and that's that same thing's kind of happening with me as we've been going through some of this stuff, um, just shoring up my own uh, beliefs about things. And sometimes I think, especially people like me who grew up in church, we have certain beliefs about things, but we don't really even know why we believe them, I guess. And so having some of that, that um, I guess the concrete poured in the cracks has, has helped me out quite a bit, uh, shore up the foundation that I had in my own life. Uh, but so this, this believer, he's, um, he's now, he's got to the point where he's meeting with you regularly. He is maturing and growing, and he's submitting to the teaching that he's being given because the teaching he's being given is coming from the Word of God um, and not from you or from anybody else. So this person is beginning to grow. Um, How much time are you spending a week with with somebody, and how do you go about scheduling with that person? Really, let me say this real quickly. Uh, The lessons that we present to them in in like a lesson form – 
we make sure they understand this is just this is just an outline to point us to the scripture the real truth the real understanding is the scripture and and pretty much everything we point out we're going to look at a couple of verses of scripture for as as our uh, backbone of what we're doing but when it comes to scheduling uh i found that it, when, when i'm presenting this to ministers uh, the, those that are already pastoring or missionaries uh, i will generally spend a couple hours uh, talking with them because as you know if, if as pastors we can get on rabbit trails and uh, have a lot of good discussion time and so we we like to talk when I'm when I'm discipling a newborn babe I try and keep it to about 45 minutes at the max of instruction time where we're actually looking at the scriptures I do not hesitate though to answer questions that are going to be even though they may not be pertaining to the lesson directly I love to try and answer the question because that's where they're at in their walk, and that's right. what that's what they're dealing with. And so I try and uh, take time to answer those questions. And there's been sometimes uh, that we end up not even covering the lesson at all, and we end up just dealing with whatever they're dealing with in their life. But they, then again, and it, yeah, and it gives you a window into their life. Absolutely, and it and again, here is an opportunity for us to to pour the scriptures and, and the biblical instruction that we've been given into this person's life in a way that is going to be received because why they're dealing with that issue right now they're dealing with that problem mm -hmm. there are times if i know we're going to cover something in lessons in the weeks or months to follow that i will put that off if i feel like uh, that it's necessary and, the, and i have the holy spirit's leadership on that I may put it off and say, hey, let's deal with that when we get to that lesson. But most of the time, I'm going to try and at least in a cover that and say, we're going to take a deeper dive into this later. So then mm -hmm. when it comes to scheduling, uh, what I do is I want to make sure that this person wants to meet. And they're not just doing this because they want to meet with the pastor or they want to just have a, a nice, you know, get together. And so mm -hmm. what I will do is I will generally set up with a person a time in the week that meets in my schedule and meets in their schedule. And I usually schedule an hour to an hour and a half of time. And then I put them in that time slot on my calendar. And then I have it repeating every week. And I just do it in perpetuity. In other words, uh, until we end up being done. And then each time I meet with them, so if it's like a Thursday meeting and they come to church on Wednesday night regularly, then on Wednesday night, I'm going to meet with them and say, hey, we good for Thursday? Or I try to get them to even come to me and say, hey, uh, we're good for tomorrow, right? And I'll then look at my calendar and they check their calendar. We make sure we're good and then we go on. So every week it's like checking in to make sure, hey, we're good to meet at whatever time. Mm -hmm. So some people I meet on Monday, some I meet on Tuesday. And when and where are we meeting? What you know? I set that up weekly, but I usually have a time slot that I've reserved for that person. That way I don't end up filling that time with something mm -hmm. else. But if they have a doctor's appointment, they have a kid that's sick or whatever, we either will uh, reschedule to another time slot in a week that works for both of us, or we'll just wait and then do it again the next week and skip that week. Mm -hmm. So the the weekly meeting with that person who's being discipled, about how long during the day does that usually take? That meeting will generally take, uh, if we're eating a meal, it'll take about an hour and a half if it's if there is no meal, it could probably take forty five minutes to an hour, um, okay. and you can. But really, I mean, you could you can whatever time frame 
you have, you could make it work. You mm-hmm. may take longer going through all the lessons because you're not going to cover as much ground. But then again, the scripture is taught here a little, there a little line upon line, precept upon precept. So right. you don't want to give a newborn babe a whole meal anyway. So you're you're going to want to keep it to a half an hour to 45 minutes of instruction for a sure. newborn babe. Okay, good. So <clears throat> this person uh, is there maturing in things, and, and well, let me let me go here. You're talking about scheduling a lot of meetings, essentially. Let's say you've got four or five people that you're discipling throughout the week. How are you able, uh, just on a practical level, you're a pastor, uh, you have all these people that you're discipling, you're working with, you're also doing the normal pastorly things like visiting people in the hospital, praying with families, trying to encourage people. How, how are you balancing making sure that you have time for everything, including spending hours a week with different individuals that you're personally discipling. I think that's going to be the primary concern for a lot of people is if they begin living out this life of discipleship and their whole life is centered around training and teaching people God's word, how how are they going to have time to make sure they have time for a family, make sure they have time for uh, ordinary church duties and all of that? I think to answer that question, uh, you have to look at the overall purpose of the ministry. And as we Mm -hmm. see that, discipleship is the ministry. And so, uh, yes, I have a pulpit ministry and I have responsibilities to edify and build up the believers during that time we have pulpit time. I have uh, responsibilities to uh, meet at the hospitals and and for surgeries and other things. And I, I do that to the best of my ability. But if you stop and think about if you have a church where the people are being matured to do the work of the ministry, I'm not doing the work of the ministry alone. I have other matured believers. Now, that doesn't happen overnight, and, right. and, it, and you don't get there quickly. So that <clears throat> I don't want to give a false impression that as soon as you decide that discipleship is the way we're going to go, that all of a sudden now you have all of these other ministers. But, and depending on what church you're in, if, you've, if you're in a church that's already established, Obviously, there's going to have to be a, uh, a shift of understanding by the body as well. And so it's going to take time for you to teach and, and reveal this to them. And it's not going to happen overnight. But ultimately, uh, here at Calvary, the body recognizes that that is my calling. That is our, our calling as a, as a church to minister through discipleship. And so uh, there are certain expectations that may not be on me that other pastors might have. Uh, mm-hmm. Because why? We have had time to be able to show them in the scripture, this is what God is requiring of us, and this is what he wants us to do. And so right. uh, we don't have a lot of uh, what you might call programs here at Calvary. Uh, our, our focus is on maturing believers, uh, seeing lost people saved so they can be maturing believers so that we can see the Great Commission accomplished around the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, back to your question, uh, how does that work in my time? Well, right now I'm discipling at the time of this recording about six men a week. At, and and many of them are already in ministry, and so it's it, you know those those lessons are going a little longer because one I want to get the material to them quicker, but these are men that I'm not teaching doctrine to. I'm basically showing them how we do it, and mm-hmm. so those times usually go two to two and a half hours. 
and so that takes a big chunk of my week. And then I have uh, men here in our church that I'm discipling as well that are younger believers. Uh, and those men I spend at least an hour, an hour and a half with, sometimes two hours with. Mm-hmm. And again, that's – but when we look at Jesus, what did he do? He poured himself and spent time with the people. And so mm-hmm. – uh, to, to spend time with my family, I try not to do discipleship in the evenings. Uh, I try and do most of it during the day as much as possible or right. in, you know, into the early evening, but not going too late into the evenings. I also, once we have a person through the first level of uh, what we call biblical foundations, and the second level is going to be classroom. So you're going to be able to maximize your time by teaching more than one person at a time. Mm-hmm. And you're teaching in that time frame. And then I look for opportunities to study for my messages in those times where my, my preaching ministry is. Uh, those are times where reinforcement comes. But a lot of the material I get for that, and not all of it, but a lot of it has been enhanced from the continually teaching and preaching these biblical principles. And every time I teach these, even the simplest lesson, like lesson one on salvation and what does this do, it seems like the Holy Spirit is revealing new depth of understanding to me. And I've been teaching people that lesson specifically for 18 years, but I've actually been teaching people about salvation for much longer than that. And so Mm -hmm. yet every time I go through that lesson, God is revealing new depth of understanding to the simplicity that we have in Christ. And so that helps me as I preach, but then my preaching also builds on the, and puts people in remembrance of what we've taught them in discipleship. Right, because when you're preaching, you know what you've taught the people that are looking at you. So you're, you're really, you're not trying to teach them something new. You're not having to do a ton of background when you're preaching because you know they already know this content. Um, and that's, yeah, that's got to make things a lot easier on, on the pulpit ministry too. I thought one, one thing you said that was super interesting in, in that response was that you were talking about how, um, as a pastor, there's a lot of responsibilities that are placed on pastors that you don't have so much now because you have other people who are mature enough to do some of those things. Um, so what, what, in essence, what you're saying to the, to a pastor who wants to start doing this is that at the beginning, the pastoral responsibilities on top of all of this is going to make you very busy and it's not going to be a lot of fun um, because you're going to be slammed. But after a little while, once you've got people, uh, a couple of people who are mature enough to start taking on some of those responsibilities that it gets easier later. I would say, yes, it it does lighten up a little bit in the sense that uh, now I know one, the, the people understand what the scriptures are teaching and and we're all on the same page and so their expectations of me are not the same Uh, but also uh, it is liberating to know what our job really is and not what Mm -hmm. the american public perceives our job to be so let me ask you this we are um when do you start getting this person who is being discipled and is growing and is doing well when do you start recommending to that person um that they begin discipling somebody else or uh, at what point along this line are, are you comfortable with that person beginning to teach someone else some things from scripture uh our general rule of thumb is that if they're past the lessons the first six lessons which let me just give you a quick rundown of what we do in the first six lessons. We we first help them to understand what their new relationship with God is, that God is their father and they are his, his child. Uh, we go over eternal security. We cover 
baptism, the importance of baptism and why. And then we cover the the role in their relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we really do a deep dive there on really getting them to understand how does the Holy Spirit communicate with me. And we want to make sure they are hearing the Holy Spirit because that's going to be key to them growing and being taught from here on out. And then we show them the importance of God's word, and uh, which is God talking to them. And then we show them the importance of them talking to God in prayer. And so the first six lessons are really establishing this new believer. It's almost like a new parent having their newborn baby and they talk to that baby. What do you talk to that baby about? You're not going to talk about college and you're not going to talk about all these other things, but you're going to talk to that baby and you're going to establish, hey, you know, uh, with the six kids that we've had, I would hold my babies and I would try and connect and I would want them to hear my voice and I would communicate to them, hey, daddy, this is your daddy. I love you. And mm-hmm. and so the same is kind of the true with a newborn babe in Christ. I'm not their father, spiritually speaking, but as an older sibling, I'm going to hold them and say, hey, this is what your dad's voice sounds like this is who your dad is this is how he's going to talk to you this is how mm-hmm. you're to talk to him this is how you communicate with him because obviously we don't have him in the physical form we god is a spirit and so we need to help them to to learn how to deal with god in the spiritual realm and so once they get past that level and they've got a secure relationship with god they're communicating with him god's communicating with them I don't understand why we wouldn't encourage that person to be witnessing to all their lost family, their lost friends. This is the time where they're going to be most connected with the lost world. And the Mm -hmm. changes that are being effectively in the victory that they're witnessing that this person is living out is going to be a large testimony to them of what God can do. And so if a man leads another man to the Lord, then we encourage them, hey, the Great Commission says, teach what you've been taught. And if you're five, six, seven, eight lessons ahead, and as long as you stay ahead, you are capable of teaching what you've been taught. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. they're not going to teach it maybe at the same level as the pastor would, but that's not what's needed. They need to learn these things and grow. And then as they grow and get involved in the church, that continued understanding and growth will be there. So we're going to try and get them witnessing and really discipling right out of the gate. Uh, what the, some of the most difficult things that I found in ministry is bringing discipleship in after somebody's been saved for a while and then yeah. getting them over this hurdle of actually being a witness and then witnessing and discipling those people. And so that is more difficult than it is to get a, a zealous young believer to want to tell his friends about all the wonderful things God is doing for him. So you want to get them started as soon as possible in discipling, and they don't need to be a, a Bible scholar to teach somebody about their new relationship with God. They just experienced it. They just learned it. Now they can share it and teach it to the next person. Right. So, of course, you're, you're talking about them discipling someone that they've won to Christ at this point, Correct. Right? Yeah, we're not going to give them somebody to disciple, but if they lead somebody to the Lord— then I, the way I understand the Great Commission is it's their responsibility, and God has mm-hmm. seen fit to do that. I just want to make sure that they're at least a little bit down the road so they can help them get down the road as they lead them and direct them. 
so this person has um, at this point they've they've come to knowledge of Jesus Christ. They've been discipled through the basic things about Scripture, so they can uh, they can have a relationship with God the Father. They understand their relationship with God the Father, and they've begun acting on that relationship, communicating with God the Father, uh, and and reading the Bible on a regular basis. They've learned how to study Scripture. They've learned how to feed themselves. Uh, they're actively working to disciple other people that whom they've led to Christ. Um, and so you're you're in the late stages of your meeting with this person, especially if this person doesn't feel the uh, a call to preach or uh, be uh, a sent missionary or something like that. If they're just someone who wants to stay in the in your church and they're working hard to stay and to, and to be a beneficial member of the church, at what point are you really working to see this person plugged into the ministry of the church, such as? And I'm not talking about ushering or or passing an offering plate or you know working on the building or something like that. I'm talking about uh, where they're actually actively ministering to the other believers in the church, such as Sunday school or, uh, you know, uh, filling in for you when you're out of town preaching or, or something like that. Um, or teaching a Sunday school class. At what, at what point are you, have you got that person? Are you, are you going to feel comfortable getting that person, uh, to do some of those things? I may have a different approach than most, but I want to see this person be equipped to actually do ministry on the corporate level. Uh, we're gonna hopefully see them doing it already on the on the personal level. Right. And so they're already gonna be leading others to the Lord and discipling, but that doesn't mean they're ready to teach a Sunday school class. If we really believe that God's word is as important as it is, as valuable as it is, then I need to make sure that this person is equipped. And so it's probably gonna be on an average, the the first level of teaching that we do is going to take eight months to a year. And then the second level of teaching we do is where we teach them the godly characteristics, what God's desire is for them and their character, how to win that battle over sin. We just certainly don't want to put somebody in a, in a position of leadership that's going to still be struggling uh, regularly with giving into sin. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to want to see them living a victorious life. And so that that's going to take some time to help them to understand that battle. And then we really want to make sure they have the rules of a good Bible study. Because if I understand and know how to do my own Bible study and can glean out things for myself, well, now I can start doing that. And so uh, once they've been through that second level of teaching, the Foundations two level, uh, now they're going to be equipped to actually be a Sunday school teacher, uh, to be able to study God's word and find things that the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to them mm-hmm. so that they can teach it to others. But uh, I think we too quickly lay hands on people, so to speak, and put them in the ministry way before they're ever ready. Right. And then when they struggle, we wonder why they're struggling or you know, we write it up to just that they weren't good ground or good seed or whatever. But I think we, as pastors and ministers, uh, need to be more intentional in our approach. And, and in doing so, it helps to have an intentional plan to be able to be more intentional. And so when, because we have that, uh, we don't just put anybody quickly into a ministry. I also don't start a ministry or don't continue a ministry if I don't have somebody that's willing mm-hmm. and able or equipped 
to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to do that? All you're doing is going to bring yourself heartache and, and bring reproach upon the, the, the cause of Christ by putting somebody in that isn't ready to do the work that they're being called to do. And a lot of additional work on your own part, too. I mean, because oh, yeah. you're going to have to babysit that ministry because the person no, who's yeah. leading it is not mature. That's for sure. Yeah. So, no, that's good. And, and that's important. And I, I think most of church heartache that has to do with leadership, if not all of it, comes because somebody is in a position that they're not mature enough to be in. Uh, you know, you see this with, you know, we see the big notable pastors who fall into sin and this kind of thing. Nobody falls into sin, but um, because purely because not because they're they're were caught blindsided by some sinful action, but because they had a character flaw that could have been caught if they had been discipled properly, um, I think. And, you know, I've not been around long enough to say that definitively, but um, there's definitely some of that, I think, and, and it could be caught if people are discipled properly. So that's that's really good. And um, if I can clarify real quickly, I'm not coming from the position that we are the know-all and be-all sure. and end-all. But uh, when God does put us in that position of pastor, there is a sense of responsibility that we're going to mm-hmm. give an account to him for how we steward or manage, oversee the areas of responsibility that he's given right. to us. And so we need to do that intentionally and with a, with a plan. The problem is, and where I was when I first started, was I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. And so I was so thankful that the Lord answered my prayer by giving me ministers that were able to help put me on the path to being able to be more intentional in the way that I uh, approached ministry and approached the pastorate that he's given me. Yeah, and I think many people reach to hire somebody from outside because of this, because they don't have somebody in their church that's mature enough to do it. Um, so, you know, maybe the approach should be, rather than trying to find somebody from the outside to fill a position, why don't we train that person ourselves? And then we know what they know, and we know what they believe. Sure. And, you know, as a missionary, I'm not going to have a choice. And there's not going to be an outside person for me to hire. So <laughs> I'm going to have to train <laughs> my own people. Um, but, you know, perhaps we all ought to be doing that. Uh, it certainly seems like that's what Paul did. It's definitely what Jesus did um, yep. because he was, you know, he didn't have a choice either. He was starting out the the church as a whole. So, um, sure. but it does seem to me to, to look like, at least from my perspective, to be the oppo- to, to, to be the, the opportune way to do things. Um, and so this disciple is really not taking on any responsibility in the church until you're fully sure that he's ready to do it. We talked about that with Paul and Timothy, actually, about how Paul told Timothy that he didn't lay his hands on him until he was assured of the things that he believed and sure. was was uh, prepared to do. So that that's a really good that ties in really well with what we had what we had talked about. Um, to, to leave on a positive note, the last question I'm going to ask, um, I just want you to kind of to go through how your church has developed genera- generationally. All right, uh, we've had I've had the privilege of meeting and discipling over 20 men here at the church already in the last eight and a half years. And, uh, you know, that's investing. That's the one-on-one time. Uh, there's been a lot of other things that we've been in the classroom, and there's been a lot of instruction beyond that one-on-one time as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, those 20 men, uh, unfortunately, there's some that are no longer at the church. Uh, a few of them, a couple of them are actually in heaven now. So that's a, mm-hmm. they, gra- they graduated. I'm a little jealous of them. <laughs> but uh 
you know, our, of our brethren, some of them started and, and went through part of it, and then they decided that they weren't going to continue. And there's probably a multitude of different reasons why. Uh, but ultimately, uh, there's been that over 20 men. Now, right now, uh, aside from me, I'm discipling five or six men right now. Uh, one is just about to be finished, so that's why I say five or six, because I think one more week and they'll be done uh, with the one-on-one, and then we'll be into the classroom stuff. But my wife has discipled uh, 12 ladies here at the church, and uh, of that, we have I have nine people other than myself right now currently discipling at the church. Uh, kind of the exciting thing is we have the the fourth generation uh, just beginning to be discipled now. We're working with That's him awesome. and, and uh, uh, making sure he understands salvation. And uh, uh, But the, the third generation is now ready to start leading the fourth generation to the Lord and then discipling them. And so uh, we're excited about that. Uh, it's uh, a, a progression that has just happened here recently in the last few months. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing and, and the fact that uh, this is not something that I do alone. In fact, in the other room, my wife is discipling one of the ladies in the church right now uh, here at the church while we're recording this. So uh, generationally, we're seeing fruit. We're seeing more fruit. We're seeing much fruit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this is the first time in, in 18 years of ministry that I've seen this level of fruit growing. So it's not right. something that comes quickly. Uh, and it's and something for you, that, the Lord that, that had to uh, sorry to interrupt, but for you, that had to, something to do with because you, you were stepping into a situation that was already existing. So you had to kind of Certainly. rewrite rewrite some things. Certainly. There was some t- t- transition uh, of understanding, a transition. Uh, I, I am under the conviction or the belief that this is how God wants me to minister. And so this is not how... Uh, this is not just something I do. This is how we do the work of the ministry by fulfilling the Great Commission. And that's really good. So by gen- by fourth generation, you mean someone you've taught has taught someone else, and now that person is teaching someone else, right? Correct. So for the fourth generation removed from the original session that you had. Um, and so that's, that's really cool. And that, that's really how it should be, you know, um, Paul and Timothy or Paul tells, uh, in his writings about how, uh, the, the older men should teach the younger and the older women should teach the younger and, uh, that that's how it's designed. That's how it's, what's supposed to happen. So it's really cool to see that happening, uh, Amen. in real time in your own church. Amen. And that, remember that, that older men and, and older women, doesn't necessarily mean physically older. Mm-hmm. That's speaking to those that are mature, need to take those that are immature and teach them the things that God's taught them. That's that's really good. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this uh, interview. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, uh, but I'm excited in the, in the near future, hopefully to have a couple more interviews and some things uh, that we'll be able to do. And uh, stay tuned as we continue uh, our ongoing series on having a life of discipleship. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On the next episode, we're going to be talking about the difference between service and ministry. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at generalorder4. Please like, share, and subscribe.